<laughs> but today we're going to be in James, this evening we're going to be in James chapter 5. Uh, you'll open your, uh, your Bibles, we'll get started, and let, let me pray. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you and praise you for your word, Father. It has endured 2,000 years, Father, and it's going to endure to the very end, God, because you've blessed it, Father. Lord, we thank you that we have it. We hold it in, in, our, in our hands, Father. And I, it, it brings to mind that the, the Chinese church, the born-again Christians that are, uh, are being jailed, just to have one page of your Bible. And here we have five and six Bibles at home, Lord. We take it, Father, we need to take it more serious, God. As these days grow more and more darker, Father, we pray that we would be more and more students of your word, Lord, that we would get into it, Father, use it as a devotional in the morning, Father, and meditate on it during the day, Father. Father, I pray that we, you go before us now as we, uh, as we enter into your word and we, that you bless this time in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. All right, J uh, James chapter 5. Um, I'm just going to recap real quick, so kind of give you guys a drift of where, where this uh, book is uh, coming from. Um, chapter 1, we saw James telling us uh, so the trials that are going to come into our lives, and that we are to count it all joy, which is really, really hard for us, because when we go into a trial, the, la the last thing I want to do is count it all joy. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can enduring pass through to the other side and count it all joy as he fills us, and as we take these hardships... And use them because people in your life are going to have hardships that you've gone through. And you'll be able to minister, uh, minister to them. You know, uh, Pastor Davis uh, said that Christianity is not a cruise ship to heaven, but it's a battleship anchored at the, at the, uh, uh, the gates of hell. And that's, that's where we're at. We're all, we're all a team. We're all here to, um, to save as many as we can before we go to heaven. Remember, what, uh, what happens uh, is uh, the only thing we're going to take to heaven with us is people. So as you, know, as you go through your life, man, just think about that. And think about the fact that when we're going through these trials, that we can give the joy to the Lord and we can understand that God has got this for a reason. And um, we, can, we can grow through these trials. And uh, James goes on in the first chapter and it says, if anybody acts, uh, uh, lacks wisdom, just go ahead and ask. And that's the problem. We don't, we don't ask sometimes. We just, you know, we just kind of just kind of cruise through our day and we just don't think about asking, hey man, Lord, what's going on here? How can you get, how can I get through this trial in your name, Father? I need wisdom and, and wisdom comes from, uh, from seeking, seeking the Lord. And um, it's an interesting uh, side note that, um, you know, uh, with James giving us all these exhortations of uh, how we should live out this Christian life and how in chapter one and what we should do as we move forward in the Lord, um, I, I kind of I, I looked up. Uh, Pastor Chuck Smith was really into uh, Haley's uh, uh, Bible handbook, and I had to that one. I had to see what it was all about, and so I got one and I and opened up the you know uh, book of James, and I wanted to see what uh, Haley had to say about uh, James. James, uh, according to Haley's handbook, he, they called him um, Camel Knees because he was on his knees so much praying to the Lord. They called him Camel Knees. I mean, that's kind of a diss if you think about it. You know, I would, don't be calling me camel knees, you know, but, but think about it. He was always on his knees uh, uh, before the Lord, praying, praying about things that, you know, was, was happening in the church and things what, that affected him. Okay, chapter 2, I'll just highlight a couple of things that uh, James taught us in that. Remember who James is. Do we remember who James is? It's the half-brother of Jesus. This guy had street creds. He could have just said, hey, man, check it out, man. You know, Jesus me. We were in the same hood together, man. This is my bro, man. But he didn't do that. He came on as a servant, full-on servant of the Lord. He never flaunted the fact that he, had, um, he, he was uh, Jesus' half-brother. Never. He always 
he always was very humble. He's very um, forthright with how, um, who he was in the Lord. And, he, and he, uh, in, this, uh, second, in the second chapter, he, James um, uh, uh, addresses playing favorites. I don't know if you remember that in the second chapter. As you guys go through your devos, you might go through James. And there was rich people that would come into the scene. And the people would fall over each other trying to, trying to get the rich guy to get, come up front with the best seats and all that. And Well, James, he says, man, don't be doing that. You guys treat each other equal. Because you know at the foot of the cross, it's, it's level ground, right? And there's nobody better. We're all the same in Jesus. And, and James ex- exhorts us to, hey, man, check it out. We got to be all the same level at the foot of the cross because that's where we are. And um, uh, I was, um, I kind of had a hard time with, you know, this, this, uh, this next topic that James uh, talks about. It's uh, faith without works is dead. When I was in the Roman faith, I thought it was all about works. I thought, man, if you're going to get to heaven, you better be good. You better let that good outweigh the bad. See, I was bringing that Eastern religion in, and I just didn't understand grace. I didn't understand what Jesus did on the cross for us because they, you know, I, th- that uh, the system really didn't teach me that much. And um, it wasn't until I was a born again Christian when they clicked. I said, oh man, yeah, faith without works. If we're if we're born again Christian, the immediate outflow of that is that we're going to be doing things for the Lord. And we're probably not even going to realize it because the Holy Spirit is going to prompt us to do these things. Um, Early on when Kathy and I um, um, first got saved, we, we immediately just for some reason got involved with the, with the uh, toddlers and stuff. We didn't even think about it. It was just, oh yeah, this is what we need to do. That was the power of the Holy Spirit. As we were born again Christians, allowing that power of the Holy Spirit move through us, we just, yeah, this is, this is what you do. It's not that we wanted to do it because we wanted to get saved or we wanted to further our salvation. It was just, uh, just a, na- a natural out- outflow of, uh, of our relationship with the Lord. And in chapter 3, James shows, showed us that teachers should be held at a higher standard. Did you know that Pastor Mark, Pastor Doug, Pastor Josh, Pastor Dave, and I are held at a higher standard because of where the Lord has us in this, uh, in this fellowship? It's just the way it is. We are so stinking accountable in front of the Lord one and in front of you guys. We cannot, I mean, it's, we have to be careful not to stumble anybody. Now, Pastor Mark would tell me that I stumble him every time I go surfing because he doesn't like surfing. But that's, you know, that's not my thing. It's his thing. <laughs> but no, seriously, we can, in fact, as you guys look at the leadership of, of churches, it doesn't matter if it's Calvary Chapel, Calabasas, but as you, as you look at you put leaders in a higher standard because of what God has done. God has raised them, raised us up, and put us in these, these places. I was not looking to be a pastor here. I was fat, dumb, and happy leading worship. I was so, so cool with that. And this out of the blue, Pastor Dave, hey, bro, come in, man. You know I'm Pastor Dave. Hey, I'm going to talk to you about something. So he pulls me in and goes, what do you think about being a pastor? I said, what? what? Be a pastor here? I said, well, you know, as the Lord guides, the Lord provides, I suppose. But, you know, <laughs> sure, man. I mean, you know, I prayed about it. And Kathy and I really sensed the Lord in this. So, you know. Here I am, you know, it's, it was just one of those things. I was not looking for it. It was just, uh, just a part of, of, uh, of being um, who God has called us to be. As we, like I said in pre- for the previous chapter, chapter 2, uh, it's, it was that, uh, the f- just that outflowing of the faith that, 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 drew, uh, that draws you uh, in t- into doing uh, good works unto the Lord. And that, that's it. Okay, chapter, um, um, chapter 3 also talks about living 
out your faith with wisdom, engaging in difference between and engaging between the difference between worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. You know, there are people in this world that, um, as they call it, they have horse sense. You talk to these people and you go, "My goodness, that dude is so stinking smart." Are you kidding me? Well, he's got all this worldly wisdom. You know, he's piled it up, and it's 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 good stuff. You listen to it, but it's from the world. It's worldly wisdom. Then you have the Holy Spirit imparting into all of us that are born-again believers this godly wisdom. And the only way we're going to have this godly wisdom is we're born-again Christians and we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, filled with the Holy Spirit, and that we're walking in his love. That's the only way we're going to get this, this wisdom. And, and James told us, man, if we need it, we just need to ask. Just need to ask and he'll give it to us. And now in chapter 4, James moved on. He told us that, uh, that we fight and we have wars. Duh. Boy, I mean, to be in a, a, a fellowship with a bunch of people, things are going to, we're going to have problems. We just are because of our, of our uh, personalities. But that shouldn't be the, the landmark or the, uh, of the Christian church. We need to just, you know, we know, can't we all just get along? You know, we need to do that. We need to get along, you know, and just, if we have our differences, you know. If they're not salvation, if, or as Pastor Rob McCoy says, salvific. Did he coin that term or is that something he just heard? Salvific issues, you know. If they're not salvific issues, hey, it's all good, man. Just, you know, get along. He reminded, James reminded us again that, um, uh, that uh, if, we have, uh, if we have friends in the world, if we have worldly friends, friends that are in the world that are hanging in the world and we're hanging with those friends and doing those things that those worldly friends are doing, that we have enmity with God. And I don't want that. I, I want to be hanging with the Lord and doing the things that he's called us to do. And to with the Lord, man, that, that's a place where I don't want to be. He told us in chapter 7, uh, and uh, he told us in verse 7 of chapter 4, that if we resist the devil, he will flee. Now, that is too simple for us because we want to have the... the uh, the, uh, like, uh, remember when Moses was doing the, uh, with the, 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 uh, the, the serpent and the pole and he, he laid it down and then, and then the Babylonian uh, priests were all jumping around and they were trying to, or the Egyptian uh, priests were jumping around and they wanted to, uh, the, uh, they did the enchantments. And, well, that's what we, you know, we want to be drawn in with the enchantments. No, resist the devil and he will flee. That is so stinking stupid, uh, simple. Why can't we just uh, hang on to that? And that's what James is exhorting us to do. Hey, man, if the devil's hassling you, which he does, if you're born again Christian, you will be hassled, maybe not by Satan, but certainly by one of his minions. All you have to do is resist him. That's too easy. I know it's too easy. It's like going to heaven is too easy. It's just receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior. Well, that's too easy. I got to do good works, man. I got to get out there and do something. No, you don't have to do nothing. It's all been happening. It all had, was handled at the cross. So uh, James has reminded us, just resist the devil and he will flee from you. And uh, verse 8 calls, tells us, if we draw near to the Lord, he will draw near to us. Let me ask a question. If our relationship with the Lord is not where it was 10 years ago, what's happened? Who moved? You know, Pastor Dave asks us, what happened? Did we move or did... The Lord moved. No, the Lord has to move. We've, we've moved. We need to draw near to the Lord, and he's going to draw near to us. And um, I, um, the world resists, according to um, Vine's expository um, dictionary, means to set, to set against, cause to stand against, or to withstand or oppose. And this is, and this is the idea of, of resisting. Um, for the most part, um, 
Guys, we have our struggles. Girls, you have your struggles. We have our struggles. I understand that. Ours are different. Guys' struggles are a lot different than girls' struggles. But at the end of the day, we need to resist the devil when he draws us into whatever that is. And for us guys, if it's that billboard when we're jamming to work, we need to find another uh, route to work. You know, we need to not be um, stumbled by that. We need to resist the devil. He's always going to give us a way of escape. And that he promises us. Promises us that. Us that uh, resists the devil. And in uh, the last part of uh, uh, chapter 4, he tells us um, that um, if we're going to do something, we need to do it as the Lord wills. And that's, that's pretty cool, you know. Um, hey, man, next year, what we're going to do? Whoa, 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 next year. Next year, as if the Lord, if, if the Lord wills. So that brings us to chapter 5. Amen? So <laughs> um, I'm going to give you a little... Um, uh, the title of this message, um, as you know, you don't have handouts because that ain't my scene, you know. <laughs> You're going to have to come back for Pastor Dave or Pastor Josh. <laughs> but, uh, but at any rate, um, this <laughs> chapter 5 is uh, broken into uh, basically three sections. Uh, verses uh, 1 through 6 speaks of, of the rich who abuse their wealth and their servants. Um, verses 7 through 12 to, um, James tells us to relax in the Lord and to endure and uh, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And then the third section is verse, verse uh, 13 through 20. We see the importance of praying for one another, the elders anointing of oil and, he, and, uh, and healing of the sick and, um, and examples of the dear saints that have gone before us. So as Pastor Dave would say, let's dig into the text. Okay. Chapter one, uh, chapter five, verses one through th- one um, through three. Come now, you rich, weep and howl, you mis- uh, uh, for your misery that are coming upon you. You rich are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be the witness against you, and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasures in the last days. Verse 1, come, come, you rich, weep, howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Here we see James exhorting the rich, the self-reliant, to repent from the self-centered ways. James is doing this in a roundabout way. If you know, this, this book, um, I, I, um, is, is, this book of James was written to the 12 tribes that were scattered throughout um, the Middle East. So he's writing to the church. But he's talking about the rich, so he's not really preaching to the rich at this point. He's, te- he's talking more to the, um, to the, um, the born-again church, but explaining to them as they go through this, you're going to see the rich do these things, and this is what is going to be the result of it. We will get into um, that a little bit later. Um, when there is plenty of money in our, in our uh, bank account, the reliance of the Lord uh, seems to dwindle. We don't seem to be um, really dependent on the Lord when there's a lot of money in our bank. It's, it just happens. We're flesh bubbles, as Pastor Bill Phillip used to say. We're just filled with ourselves. And we've, if we've got plenty of bread, we're not going to be so reliant on the Lord. You've heard Pastor um, um, Dave and um, Pastor Rob say, uh, they got this from Don McClure, because I happened to hear Don McClure say a long time ago, <laughs> when, 
when you are in the valley of the shadow of death, you are clinging to the Lord so stinking hard that every step that he takes, you're taking with him because you're hanging on to him. But when you're in the, uh, when you're in the, uh, uh, the, 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 gra- the grass area, when you're in the plains and you're just kicking back uh, with, the, with the sheep and somebody asks you where the Lord is, you say, I don't know, he's around here somewhere, you know. He's around here somewhere. So we're not so relying on the Lord when things are really going uh, really good for us. And it's, it's, uh, we, um, we have this tendency to, to look any circumstance, any season the Lord has us in. We need to always rely and trust in him because we don't have tomorrow. We have today. This is it. This is it, kids. This is today. We do not. We're never promised tomorrow. Um, uh, that's just the, the, the way I'm sure you have, have had friends, you know, from high school. And you hear, you know, there was an accident and they lost their lives. You know, it just happens so quickly in our lives. And, but we think we have tomorrow. We think we have 10 years from now. And we go about, duh, 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 duh. things are all good. And man, we need to, we need to take life with a more urgency. Um, uh, so um, with uh, the wealthy, on the other hand, um, it seems when, when the wealthy uh, have this abundance... Their reliance on the Lord kind of, you know, it wanes so much because they really don't need the reliance. When uh, there are there are plenty of born again uh, rich people, I'm sure. I know that um, uh, when my daughter was uh, in, involved with uh, this ministry in, in uh, Montana, the uh, leader of that uh, that um, ministry had these wealthy, wealthy born again Christians from us, um, Orange County, funding um, this ministry, and so. I know that there's wealthy people that are just so, totally into the Lord, and they don't put their, their wealth for it. They put the, the Lord first. But basically or generally speaking, it's, that's just not the way it works out. Um, in Proverbs, <clears throat> um, let's see. So uh, the wealthy, the Lord, it's a good place to start. Okay, so um, a good place to start would be what we see in uh, Proverbs 30, verses Eight and nine. It says, "Remove falsehood and lies from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord?'" Remember that whole scene where you know things are cool and cool, and you know you're kicking back. Who's the Lord? You know things are great, unless I be poor and steal. The, and profane the name of the Lord. Jesus taught us to pray. Remember Jesus taught us how to pray? That was the end of that um, quote anyway. Anyway, Jesus taught us, give us this day our daily bread. Another way to look at it is, Lord, please meet our needs. That's all we ask. Lord, meet our needs. But, you know, in Southern California, you know, the Joneses got that new ride, man. I got I to gotta get that new ride too, man. I just got to have that thing, man. Because my life's not going to be fulfilled unless I have that, God, you know, and we go on and on and we get so caught up in ourselves, it's ridiculous. Um, Luke 12 uh, tells us about the rich farmer who tore down his barns. Remember that dude? He said, yeah, man, I'm, I got it going on right now, man. I got all this stuff, man. I'm going to rip down my barns. I'm going to put up these big old barns. I'm gonna, mm, man, I'm going to be set. And one says, dude, your life is, it's, it's, I'm calling your life this very night. You're, you're going to be seeing me in, in, in paradise today. I'm going to call you up. That's, that's, how, that's how, how it happens, man. Just before we know it, boom. We're before the, uh, the um, we were before the Lord. You know, uh, Kathy and I were talking about this uh, this morning. Um, I don't know if you guys saw that thing where Jack Hibbs came out a couple of days ago, and and he had the the, the folk car and uh, folk car that that horn thingy that they blow, 
shofar. And uh, he had it in the, you know, and then, you know, Jack Hibbs' church is pretty big. And they played it over the system. And, and it was really cool. It's like, that's the last trump that we're going to hear before the Lord's return. Or that's the trump we're going to hear. We don't know. That could happen today. That could happen. We are so set. What, what are we looking for? How many more prophecies have to be fulfilled before, before Jesus returns? How many? None. Zero. Jesus could return tonight. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. I mean, you know, I'm, as much as I love my grandkids, as much as I want to see them grow, as much as I want to see them, you know, get on with life, heaven's better. You know? Heaven's better. Um, so, um, verse 2. You riches, your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Uh, James, James reminds us the believe. The believe uh, the believers that the rich will weep and howl as as they um, uh, get to the Lord's uh, judgment seat. That's that's going to be a, 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 a frightening day. The wealth will will be, will be nothing. Their fine clothes will be as rags. The rich are now enjoying the fine things that they have right now. They are they're enjoying these fine things. And there's please make sure you understand what I'm saying. There's nothing wrong with being rich. There's nothing wrong with owning stuff. It's just make sure the stuff doesn't own you. And this, you know, there's these, a lot of folks are going to make it to heaven. They're just going to be empty. They're going to have nothing. And um, it's all that it is is man's stuff. But there's, but there's, uh, there's uh, nothing in this earth that can compare to what Jesus made for us. And Colossians 1.16 tells us, for him, Jesus has created all things, and all things were created by him. He's made beautiful mountains and seas. I can only imagine what Jesus is making right now for us. Remember Jesus promised he's going to go prepare a place for us? I can only imagine what that place is going to look like. Um, one of the guys um, whose wife is going through cancer right now, um, um, he and I were rapping about um, just eternity and stuff and what heaven's going to be like. And you know, I don't know if it was the hamburger I had or if it was the Holy Spirit, but I said just out of the nowhere, I said, dude, heaven's going to be so amazing, we'll be able to see flavor. That's how awesome heaven's going to be. <laughs> and the dude, you know, he's broken because his bride's going through the stuff. And he, he, you know, he thought that was, he brought a lightheartedness to the whole scene. Uh, verse 3, your gold and silver are corroded and, and their uh, corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasures in the last days. All this cool stuff that we can gather here in, on, uh, in, uh, on this earth is, is, is dung. And I don't need, you guys don't need to know what that means. Uh, my, my daughter and my wife have horses. <laughs> and I've been out in the corral too many times. And I don't ride. I ride surfboards. I don't ride horses. Um, James is reminding us of all that stuff that goes on, on, on in this world. All these, all these possessions that we have. There's, it's all going to vanish. It's just going to go. It's going to be gone. We know that it will vanish as we've read with the back of the book. And we know who wins. We know everything is going to burn with a fer fervent heat. I remember Pastor Chuck Smith used to uh, uh, tell the story that... Um, this was, he, he, he called it 1968, so there's no reason I should, um, um, you know, um, push back on that. He said in 1968, he had this old jalopy, and some, uh, some guy that was going to Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, thought to himself, Pastor Chuck needs a nice car. 
So it goes out and gets them this Impala. It's red, according to what Pastor Chuck was saying. It's convertible. It's got all the stuff. It's really cool. And Pastor Chuck is a car guy. I don't know if you knew that about him. And so he saw this ride, and he goes, oh, my goodness, this is so cool. So he gets in it, got a big, you know, that Cheshire Cuts smile that he had. He gets behind it, starts it up. And Chuck Jr. gets into it on the, the shotgun side. And Chuck Jr. says, Dad, it's all going to burn. And that's the reality, man. You know, the new car smell, as Pastor Davis uh, uh, told us, man, the new car smell wears off. And it does. That stuff just goes away. We pass from earth to Jesus. One fact remains for the born-again Christian um, is um, that uh, we will stand before the Lord and the rich man's riches will be, uh, they'll just, uh, they'll go away. Remember the widow's mite? Remember that, that she just threw a few um, mites into the uh, offering and Jesus was telling his disciples, you know, this gal, she's threw in more than the, these guys that are ringing the bell and throwing all their stuff in. I got to tripping on that and I thought, you know what? This is widow's mites. And the way Jesus saw that was like, it was, like, I can only tell you car stuff, like bling chrome. And she threw in these little things, and Jesus thought, man, it was just so shiny. And here these guys are throwing in all this wealth, and it's like rusted and corroded because they're ringing the bell and saying, check it out, Joe. I'm throwing in more than you are, man, you know, and getting all that. But this widow could only throw in three. And Jesus said, man, she gave it all, man. And Jesus received it as just an amazing gift. I got to tell you what Che Vernon Geese tells the story on this portion of Scripture. Uh, J. Bernie McGee says this. One of the Vanderbilts was dying. The family, you may have heard this story before. Um, one of the families uh, was dying, and the family was waiting in the outer room. When the lawyer and the doctor came out, um, uh, one of the more out- outspoken members of the Vanderbilt um, family stepped up to the lawyer and asked, how much did he leave? The lawyer replied, he left it all. He didn't take anything with him. And Pastor J. Vernon McGee goes on to say, may I say to you, that's the way it's going to rust. Our, all this stuff that we have, it's just going to go, it's going to rust, and it's all going to be, um, as, as uh, I've previously mentioned, done. Um, verse 4 and uh, 6. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who, move, who mowed your field, which you kept back uh, by fraud, cry out, and the cries of the reapers, which reaped which reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. You lived on this earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as the day of slaughter. Boy, that's a word picture. Um, you have com- um, condemned, you have murdered the just. He does not resist you. Verse 4. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you've kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached your ears and up to the, of the Lord of the Sabbath. Here, um, James is making a case for the rich getting over on the um, uh, the rich getting over by way of fraud. The workers show up, they mow their lawns, they pick their um, their their fruits, they they take care of all their the trees. They, you know, they probably taking care of their their livestock and all that stuff. And the um, the uh, rich person's holding back the wages that are due to these people. And um, and James says. <clears throat> And this is, you're holding back by fraud. And their labor is crying out, the cries of the reapers. And it's reaching the ears of the Lord. The Lord sees all this stuff. These rich folks were eating at the table of their sumptuous, you know, um, food and such that these workers had provided. Well, the workers have, you know, went out and got for them. And yet this, these rich people aren't paying for them. 
the words the um, they weren't getting their um, the work um, they weren't getting the um, the the pay that that was agreed as they performed their task and that stinks you know the rich keeping back from what is owed to the worker and you know I mean I'm, there's contractors out here and in in our in our fellowship and things happen and I get it you know I've, I I'm not a contractor I, I do a handyman work and sometimes you know people stiff you and it just stinks it just stinks but you gotta say lovey you know. You know, let God get over on them, you know. Just you gotta let it go, man. And but this is how the rich get richer, man. You know, just there is just so that's the way it is. Um, um, when it happens to me, you know, it's, it's just it, it's where that it's, I get to that place where I just say, man, you know what, Lord, bless that guy, and I say it with my teeth. Bless that guy, Lord. I just I hope you just chase him with prosperity, you know. Because <laughs> I don't want to curse a guy because that's the Lord's, you know, the Lord's to take care of him better than I will ever be able to take care of him. Um I really want, you know, when that happens, you really want the money back, but yeah, say la vie, man, it's gone. And uh, the God of the uh, the Sabbath will hear in his ears the cries of the laborers and that the rich are taken advantage of. Um and he, he's gonna he's gonna be an, uh, brought to an account. Okay, verse Five, you have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as the day of slaughter. I can just see that, man. You know, fattening your heart, man, getting all that stuff, man. I got all this stuff, man. I'm just getting so fat, dumb, and happy, man. Here I sit, man, with all my stuff. The rich will have its comforts, for sure, and all the comforts that the world has to offer. Um, but here in the United States, did you know that we are considered at 85% of the rich people in the whole world? Even when we're just, you know, minimum wage, 85%. I remember uh, 15, 20 years ago, it was uh, brought, brought up that uh, if we have air conditioning, we're like at the 10% of the, of the world. Uh, have only 10% of people. How many of us have air conditioning? I, I do, you know, I, I have it. I mean, we, Kathy and I endured the heat of a girl for probably 20 years. And my, my kid gets home from the service and says, hey, Dad, we need to put AC in your house, man. It's just really hot, and it was. It was July. Oh my goodness, couldn't believe it. So now we got AC. So now we're in ten percent. We're the rich people, and you know, you look at our our little ranch at as it were, and you go, "You guys need to get a life." I'm just kidding. <laughs> Kathy keeps a really beautiful home, by the way. She does. We have a little cabin on the hill in Old Agro. Um and um, what happens when when the rich what happens when the rich people reach the top? What happens? They die. That's it. All this stuff they accumulate, man, boom, goes to their kids. Why are we striving so much to get stuff? It just doesn't, but we do. It's, we'll have to work that out on our own on accord. Verse 6, you have uh, condemned, you have murdered the just. He does not resist you. The rich will take such advantage of the poor labor. The rich think that he's getting over on the poor, even when it comes to the judicial system. You know that used to be true. You know, the, the poor guy, He's, he, all he can afford is a public uh, defender, right? The rich guy, are you kidding me? The rich guy shows up, man, he buys a court and he buys the lawyers and he buys all this stuff and they just get off, frankly, they get away with murder. And you and I, you know, we just, we got to do what we got to do and, and hope for the best to the public, um, through the public eye. And that's just the way it is. The, the rich guy will bring in truckloads of money and get, and get away with, uh, with crimes. Not all the time, but it's happened. Now, before we leave this section of Scripture, uh, the question needs to be answered. Are all rich people hopeless? No. Not all rich people are hopeless. 
Rich people just happen to have wealth. It depends what they do with it. Remember I said previously, it's not how, if, they, if they own riches, if the, the riches own them. Remember, that's, that's, the, um, th- that's what we have to keep uh, in, um, in the hierarchy. Now, James, now we're going to get into the second, uh, second portion of, um, of, this, um, of, this, uh, chap- uh, of this chapter. James changes gears a little bit in uh, verses 7 through 12. James kind of relaxes. He's not so aggro. He's not up in the grill of us so much. He's, um, he's very calm, actually. And he opens with, therefore, be patient, verses 7 and 8. Therefore, be patient, brother, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the field, waiting patiently at, uh, for it and, and until we receive the early and later, latter rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. The coming of the Lord is at hand. We need to live our lives understanding that the coming of the Lord is at hand. Verse 7. Therefore, be patient, brother, <coughs> until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for his precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until he receives uh, the early and latter, latter rain. James reminds us to wait upon the Lord. To wait upon the Lord. Who likes to wait? I don't like to wait upon the Lord. Waiting upon the Lord is very hard to do. Because um, we got so much to do. Come on, God, we got things. Come on, man, we got to get it going on. We got to move this thing. But God asks us to kick back, relax, wait upon Him, and that's so hard for us, especially where we live, because it's so busy. Busy. We're like um, those hamsters on those, on those little wheels, man. We just gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. Um. um <clears throat> so. Um, it would be certainly we have our lives to live much differently, knowing that the Lord's. We would be living our lives much differently if we know that the Lord's return was upon us. Two thousand years ago, an angel told the men of Galilee, or the men and women of Calvary Chapel of Calabasas, "Why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken from you." Unto heaven will soon come in like manner as you saw him go to heaven. Acts 1.11. It's true. Jesus is going to return the same way he left. He's just going to show up. You and I are going to hear the horn. The born-again Christian is going to hear the trumpet, the final trump. We're going to hear that. He's going to come. He's going to gather his church and take us out. Pastor Chuck used to say, the said the following about this portion of scripture. Jesus is coming again, not as a babe in a manger, but as a king of kings and lords and lords. He is coming to reign in righteousness over the earth. He, and he comes quickly. Three times, Pastor Chuck says, in the last chapter of the Bible, Jesus uses the word quickly to describe his coming. Quickly. Close quotes. He said that about 2,000 years ago. He comes quickly. 2,000 years ago, he said that. Many of us are waiting for the return of the Lord. Is you know, we just, man, I remember when I first got saved, man, I knew for, man, we're going to, hey, uh, what was it? Hey, Hallie? What was it? Hal Lindsey. Hal Lindsey came out with that book. Remember that? The late, great planet Earth, man. I read, Kathy and I read that. We were, born, we were brand new Christians, man. We knew that. We'd, we'd step outside, man. You know, is the Lord coming today? You know, it's like, that's with urgency. When, when I read that book, I thought, man, for sure, man, this is it, dog. We're going to go, man. This is, it's going to happen. That was 35 years ago, 40 years ago. <laughs> he hasn't returned yet, but for sure, he's returned for those who have gone on before us. He has. He's gone on. He's, 
uh, the people that were uh, our loved ones that, uh, that, are, that were born again Christians that are now in the presence of the Lord, they now are experiencing what we get to experience. So their 2,000 years came up real fast. When I was a young man on the job site, um, I remember um, the, um, the, um, the crews, you know, you, you know, when you're a framer and you get on the job and they're checking out to see if your bags are all wasted to make sure that you're not some greenhorn that just showed up or whatever. And, they, you know, they kind of they want to see what you're, what you're up to and all this stuff. Well, I would always tell them immediately that I was a born-again Christian because I said, you know, let the cat out right now. Just let it out, man. Let them know. You know, and these guys would roll up in their, in their hot rods and their Harleys and their big trucks and all this stuff. And, you know, I'd come up in my little uh, Volkswagen bug, you know, <laughs> with surf racks. And um, they'd, uh, they'd always, uh, you know, they'd, they'd come up. Some of them would come to you. You know, I mean, you know, they, the people of the world, they'll come and they'll, they'll talk to you one-on-one. Hey, man, what's this, you know, you guys say, you know, the Lord's going to come back in 2000, you know, this 2000 years, the Lord hasn't come back. What's going on, man? You know, I don't think he's going to come back. I think you guys are just falling in favor. Well, that said, it's true. But Peter re- re- reminds us that that's going to happen, that uh, people are going to say, you know, where is the, the, the return of his, his, uh, his, where's the return of his coming, you know, and um, where's, and, and it just hasn't happened yet. But Matthew um, tells us um, that um, it was uh, it was Second Peter chapter three verses eight and nine. Uh, Peter's uh, warns about the scoffers, and um, um, and so it's going to happen. People are going to scoff. They're going to say, "Hey, where, where's the Lord's return? It hasn't happened. It ain't going to happen." You guys just fall in a fairy tale. I remember when, um, um, when um, they've been saying that for years, and what. Um, when in Matthew 24, verses 33 and 34, uh, tells us that a generation uh, will return from Israel and, and the land for the, uh, for the third time. And that generation will not pass away. And, um, and uh, that generation, when they see the budding of Israel, as it, it was not, um, Matthew calls it um, fig tree. When you see the fig tree bud, Indicating the return of, of um, the Jews to the promised land. That was in 1940. Some biblical uh, commentators say that happened in 1948. So if that happened in 1948, right? That means that generation is not going to pass away, right? How many baby boomers are out here in this? In this uh, I'm a baby boomer. Am I that generation? I don't know. Is the Lord going to come? We don't know the day of the hour. We do not know. Jesus could push the, that um, prophetic clock back 50, 60 years. But Matthew says that that, ge- that generation will not pass away and see the return of the Lord. I don't know. My brother's 78 years old. He, he's still alive. You know, I mean, the, the coming of the Lord is, is at the door. We, it, especially when you look at the, the landscape of the political scene here uh, worldwide. It's just, we're, we're ripe. We're ripe for the Lord's return. Um. David Guzik said this about the following, about waiting patiently. Remember the farmer and waiting patiently for the crops and see how he waits. You know, because we want the Lord to return right now. But Guzik says this. A farmer does not give up when his crops, uh, when the crops uh, uh, does not come to harvest immediately. He keeps working on them, even as the crops, that he cannot see them at all. Even so, Christians must work hard and exercise patience, endurance, even when the harvest day seems far off. We need to keep on keeping on. That's what we used to say in the 60s. You got to keep on keeping on. 
You got to just keep your head down and keep pushing in, in, uh, before the Lord. Because um, his, his return is, is imminent. Um, verse, uh, verse 8 says, You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. We are to maintain a stead anticipation of the return of the Lord. Committed to our hearts, the coming of the Lord is at hand. We are, guaranteed, we are not guaranteed tomorrow. Um, uh, the reason being is, I don't know, but the, the, the freeways in Southern California will take people's lives in a heartbeat. That's for sure. We never know when the, day will, that when, the, when the time we will be standing before the Lord. We need to anchor our hearts in those things that the Lord has, has, um, has um, given to us. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be um, condemned. Of verse nine, behold, the judge is standing at the door. We need to remember who judge, who um, James is speaking to—the first-century Jew, Jewish Christians who have been scattered around the Middle East. What does this mean? This means that they lost their homes. These people, like, I mean, you remember that? Um, I remember when I was going to Calvary Chapel, Thousand Oaks. Pastor Robbie showed this thing on. Schindler's List, I think it was called, where this really rich dude was and his family were in this house and the Nazis came in and just moved him out, just took him and put him in some, some funky old house, housing somewhere in that same city. And that's what happened to the Jews. They, the, the Romans just kicked them out, just kicked them out, you know? That's happening in the Middle East right now, the born-again Christians. You know, the, uh, the, uh, the Muslims are just kicking them out. Get out. It's happening in, the, uh, in North Africa. Just kicking them out. All the things that they've... Can you imagine that? I, Kathy and I have lived at our house for 40 years. I just, it'd be hard to understand somebody walking in and just kicking us out. The only thing that we leave with is what we were wearing when they kicked us out. That's what happened to those Jews. And so, and so this, is, this, this is the kind of scene that these folks are living in. They're, they're establishing new, new places um, they're trying to get get get, uh, get things going along, and um, they're grumbling. They're grumbling against each other. And James says, "Man, don't be doing that, man. Don't be grumbling against." And they're bummed. They were up, uprooted, to be sure. But let's put ourselves in that place. We would say the same thing. You know, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, as you've read your cup and, and in and out, trust in the Lord with all, all your heart and lead not on your own understanding. All these things acknowledge him. He will direct your path. We are to trust in the Lord. We are to trust them with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding. What, you know, being ripped from a house and then all of a sudden you're trying to figure things out. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your, lean not on your own understanding. Verses 10 and 11. Brethren, take the prophets who, who spoke the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and, suffering and patience. Indeed, we call, it, we call them blessed who endured. Have you heard? The perseverance of Job and see uh, at the end intended of the Lord, um, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. The prophets suffered tremendously at the hands of the Jewish people. And yet they were steadfast to be the mouthpiece for the Lord, telling, telling the Jews of what, of, the, uh, of what the Lord wants from them. We read, we read about them and, and say, wow, man, these are such great prophets of the Lord, man. But to live those guys' lives... They had to give very hard things to the Jewish people. And the Jewish people, a lot of them, they didn't, they, the, especially the kings, they didn't receive it. They were um, they chastised. Men were burned and, and, and sawed in half and such. But they went through they went through the ringer. And then we see Job, uh, the, that brother suffered at the hands of his friends. 
you know, um, we're going to go, uh, as, as, as Pastor Doug, uh, Doug gets to teach on Thursday nights, you can see what, um, what Job went through. He went through all, all the hard, hardship. Uh, Charles Spurgeon says this about, uh, about this, about this uh, section of uh, Scripture. He said, when this, um, this persecution and this heartache comes to us and, you know, the perseverance of Job and all this, says, um, um, Charles Spurgeon says, if a man were to attack me with a knife... I would resist him with all my strength and count it a tragedy if he succeeded. Yet, if a surgeon comes to me with a knife, I would welcome both him and the knife. Let him cut me open even wider than the, than the, uh, the knife attacker because I know his purpose is good and necessary. These things happen to the believer some things are just, they're, they're, they're wrong. They happen, you know, they're just amazing. Like the prophets, when the prophets were, were uh, so, rude, so badly uh, abused. And some of our evangelists today in modern day uh, world, how they're, being, how they're being treated in such an in third world country. But as Charles Spurgeon re- reminds us, you know, we're going to be attacked by Satan. And we're also going to go through trials with the Lord. They look very similar. If you see those things parallel, they look very similar. One's an attack from Satan and one's a trial from the Lord. The Lord brings us to the other side and builds us up and to um, give us a testimony to where we can um, uh, minister to people who have not gone through those trials. You know, um, I'd like to say I can go on and on, but I'm not that guy. I'm not as long-legged as Pastor Doug is and as Pastor Josh is. So um, we're going to end with uh, verse uh, 12, if you don't mind. <laughs> if you don't mind, um, um, I've got a lot more notes, but i got to be freely frank. Okay, you guys say, well, you're a surfer, man. You can hang out in the cold water. I am a little girl when it comes to the water. I look like a homesick Eskimo when I go surfing. I'm not kidding. I am freezing up here right now. My hands are so stinking cold. Uh, but, um, and if my hands are cold, I'm standing walking around. You guys are sitting. <laughs> so we're going to end. Verse 12 is somebody could go tell Doug that I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm wrapping it up. That would be awesome. I'd appreciate it. <laughs> Hey, you know what this means? The next time I get to teach, I get to teach the rest of the book, right? Because at Calvary Chapel, we go line upon line, verse upon verse, you know what I'm saying? So it's time we're leaving. We're at, we're at 12. Next time I get to teach, we'll pick up uh, verse 13. Um, so verse 12. But above all, my brethren, do not swear neither by heaven nor earth nor by any other oath, but let your yes be yes, your no be no, lest you fall into judgment. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Oh, my goodness gracious. We sure could use a little bit of that today, couldn't we? Uh, James is telling us not to swear or make an oath. I remember when I was a, a kid, I get an old, I get in trouble. I had five older brothers. I was always in trouble. You know, when you got five older brothers, you're always in trouble. Well, to make sure that my brothers knew that I was telling the truth, I was like, oh, man, I swear on a stack of Bibles. I didn't do it. I didn't. Meanwhile, I know I was doing it. I hope I don't get caught. I swear I didn't, you know. And that's what people do. They don't make their yes, yes, and no, no. They think, people nowadays, especially the young people, think if they can drop the F-bomb and say, yeah, I didn't do that, all of a sudden it gives credence to what they're saying. My wife used to work at Agora High School. She told me things that I could not believe go on in public school. Oh, my goodness. The F-bomb is something that the, that the teachers use in order to make themselves express. And the F-bomb is what the students use to make sure the teacher knows of their expression. I said, you've got to be kidding me. State school, you know. 
Don't be surprised when people who don't know the Lord act like they don't know, don't know the Lord. A simple yes or no will do. Hello, did you do it or not? Tell me the truth. Did you do it? Did you steal this? You, well, just give me a yes or no. And J James is telling us, don't swear by heaven and earth. Let your yes be yes and your no be no, lest judgment falls upon, lest, uh, lest you fall into, judge, into judgment. This is <clears throat> why um, um, people use you know, these, these types of, language these days, man. I mean, I, I used to use it, dog. I wasn't always a Christian, you know. I'm from the 60s and, and that whole scene, you know, and, you know, we, I didn't know the Lord. I went to the Roman church and punched my ticket every Sunday, and there, it was all good. And then I had a head-on encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, and it all changed everything. So I'm going to end with this story from Pastor J. Vernon McGee. I love this guy. He tells a story about he and his dad. Let your yes be yes and your no be no, okay? Here's what J. Vernon McGee happened to him when he was a little kid. If you guys don't know who he is, you guys got to, you guys got to, you got to, you have to, he is so amazing, especially with his drawl. Um, he talks about when he was a little kid, his dad took him to the bank. His dad needed to buy a new cotton gin. So his dad um, went to the bank. The banker knew Mr. Uh, McGee. So they walk into the bank. The banker's there. They have a previous conversation. The banker's totally busy. The banker said, Mr. McGee, here's your money. So Jay Vernon McGee's dad says, well, what do I sign? The banker says, don't worry about it. Come back and we'll fill out the paper later. I'm too busy to deal with you right now. Gave him the swat of money and said, see you later. This is a bank. Would that happen today? Let your yes be yes and your no be no. You have got to have, we, as born-in Christians, have to have such character because the world doesn't have that. That's not how they get along. The way they get along today is that they get over on people and they make, make sure that people know that they are, they are in control, that they got it going on. It's so important for us to have uh, credibility in our, in our Christian walk because we've got so many people looking at us. And it, you don't even have to be one of the pastors here at the church. I mean, I'm telling you, if people know at your work, if, if they know you're a born-again Christian, you're going to be under a microscope. Don't think that's a bad thing. Just know that you're going to be looked at. They're going to see how you're going to be operating. You're going to see how, how you're going to be grumbling when, somebody, when you get passed over by um, um, a promotion. They're going to see if you're going to be um, you know, snarky and going to be bad-wrapping people. They're going to be looking for that. They're going to be looking for that. And if they don't see it, they're going to see the love of Christ in you. They're going to say, you know what, man? What that person's got, I really, really want. And, you know, you've heard Pastor Dave say it before. He, as, as he's worked in the, in the uh, advertisement field in an office that was with these high, aggressive sales reps, how they would lose a loved one. And they come into his cubicle after they've been F-bombing previously. And they just come in, Pastor Dave, I need you to pray for me, bro. I need it, you know. My, my mom passed away, man. You know, can you pray for me? And Pastor Dave, they go right to him. They went right to him. They didn't go to some church or whatever because the church was right there in the cubicle next to him. You know, Pastor Dave had just this amazing opportunities to, uh, to, uh, to serve in that capacity. That's our gig, too. When I, I, uh, I get to do um, hand, hand, <clears throat> handyman work, and uh, I tell the people straight up, you know, uh, you know I, I, here's my card, and my card is one of the church cards. I said, yeah, I'm a pastor at Catholic Chapel, and uh, just go call me on that number, and I'll, and I'll answer. And uh, I said, oh, you're a pastor. Really? 
I said, yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of cool. You know, I get to do the music at church, and it's really fun. And, and they go, really? You get to, and it's fun. You know, they come, what? They're fun. Church is fun. Well, these folks will come up. Well, the job, many of them will come up and say, you know, I really appreciate, you know, I really appreciate, you know, doing the work for me. Yak and yak. And I get an opportunity to pray with them. It's so cool. There was a gal that came over to Kathy's in my house uh, uh, yesterday. We had to sign some papers and notarize some papers. And uh, you know in the canyons of your mind, you're sitting here at, the, at your table, and there's this stranger, stranger in your house, and you're thinking, gosh, I, I, you know, the Holy Spirit's saying, you, you need to pray for this gal. You need to pray for this gal. You need to pray for it. So I'm saying, okay, Lord, I'll pray for her. I'll pray. That's what I'm going to pray for. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll pray for her. So I'm praying for her. And then we get up, go to leave, and the Lord reminds me, you know, you didn't pray for her. <clears throat> And Kathy and I were standing on the front porch, and this guy said, Michelle, don't go away, don't go away. And I said, Kathy, let's pray for Michelle. And Michelle, I said, is it, okay, is it cool if I pray for you? And you can see her eyes just go, what? You going to pray for me? I don't think this gal has ever had anybody pray for her, ever. She's, you know, mid-40s, I guess. And so, you know, I, just, I didn't say this long, lofty prayer, you know. Uh, I just said, you know, Lord, bless Michelle, you know, and her gig, which she does, and goes to people's houses, you know. It was really top-level prayer, nothing, you know, earth-shaking. So I, and I said, in Jesus' name, amen. And I look up, and she's not crying. Please believe I don't. <laughs> but she's kind of watered a little bit on her, ear, on her eyes. And um, uh, she goes, thank you. Thank you. I, that's amazing. And remember, it wasn't me. I wanted to get her off my property so I can go back to my hot rod show that I was watching before she showed up. <laughs> but it was the Lord, man. It was the Lord. And so when the Lord tells, you know, and the Lord beckons us, when the Lord kind of draws us in to do stuff, man, we got we to gotta jump. We got to jump because time is short. And the more and more this world goes down the path, the less and less Christians there are. I mean, there's Christians I'm, that there's revivals taking place, to be sure, but it's, it's Christianity population, and it's just not what it used to be. And we need, we don't need. Let me rephrase that. It'd be really cool if there was a whole bunch of on-fire Christians in Southern California. It'd just, it'd just be really cool. And, you know, um, how that happens is as we, you know, give our lives to told us to the Lord, because it's lost and dying world, man. They so desperately need the Lord. Amen? Amen. So, uh, let's see. Does Pastor Dave ask you to stand? Yes, let's stand at the end of a... Uh, let's see. How's he say? Let's stand and end in a song of worship. And... Uh, um, so worship team will come up. I'll pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this time that we got to get into uh, the Slack, this last book of James. Lord, we pray that you blessed our time, Father, that you were, um, that, um, that we've drawn close to you, Lord, and that uh, these things that we've learned from you, Father, that we can take into the workplace with us, Father, and, and um, that we'd be those men and women that you've called us to be, Lord. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Uh, God's, God's people said, Amen. Amen.